Monday. Come again when we need you more. Or snow. <laughs> or snow, that's true. But I guess we take as much as we can get while we get it, recharge that whole thing up and get it ready to go. That's what we do around here. Hope for the best for you and hope that you're not getting flooded out as it looks as though the some of the streets, as the streams, rivers are kind of threatening toward that, but... Not anything too widespread just yet. Hope that you are safe and sound here for today and the weekend. This is the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. Jesse Harding has ag headlines. That's right. And for the 1213, Chabella Guzman out of our KNEB sister station out in Scotts Bluff. Scotts Bluff is providing us information about the snow that they got and how that may or may not be affecting the crops out there. We're also going to talk about NAFTA yet again today. Um, USTR Robert Lighthizer made the announcement yesterday that President Trump will start the renegotiation process for NAFTA. So we'll get a little more information at the 1213. And we'll also talk about a European Union trade team that has been in Kansas this week. And then for the 1219 weather outlook with with Shaley Peters and our state climatologist, Al Dutcher, about what we can expect for the rest of the weekend and into next week. For the newsmakers, Shaley Peters is with Lisa Johnson. Her and her husband, Jeff, are hosts of the upcoming 2017 Cattleman's Ball, which is happening at the Lonesome River Ranch in Custer County. And then for the 117, Susan Littlefield is with Syngenta agronomist Bob Kavinsky about the wet fields and the possibility of weeds once things start drying up. Kind of like what we saw last year. It was wet last spring too yep it makes everything grow we have to yes remember it does <laughs> all right well how is this rain and the wind affecting things at burke well it's got to make for miserable conditions uh, 50 degrees they've had off and on light rain throughout the day the winds have not been too strong yet so that has been good but things are progressing there's already been couple of records set. We will tell you about that as classes A and C are taking place at this time. Classes B and D will go later on this afternoon. Also, they've had to work around the raindrops in both Omaha and Lincoln the last two days with the Girls State Tennis Tournament. As that's wrapping up, we'll give you the lowdown on that. And it was sunny in 85 yesterday late evening. Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. As the Nebraska baseball team Copped one up. They they spit the bit, if you will. They were thirty one and zero on the year in games of which they led after the eighth inning, and they lost a terrible loss to Penn State last night, falling eight to seven. That puts a pretty big uh, chunk, takes a big chunk out of Nebraska's hopes of potentially winning the Big Ten regular season title. They'll try to bounce back this afternoon, but folks, Penn State is not a good team. <laughs> they had four conference wins that was their fourth conference win of the season just 16 wins on the year oh my heavens he'd have thought the huskers could have found a way to hang on and win that one two errors in the bottom of the ninth also didn't help that is the game of baseball if you get people free outs doesn't matter how bad they are it might come around to get you really doesn't all right bob brogan on business stocks are broadly higher in midday trading deer and company jumped 7.6 percent that was kind of some good news. Is it soup yet? Stock in Campbell Soup Company is falling after the company said its quarterly sales fell. Experts are questioning suggestions about North Korea possibly behind the WannaCry cyber attack attack. So we're watching that. Also, Nebraska's preliminary April jobless rate jumped to, or uh, should say, dropped to 3%. So those are the headlines that we're following. Thank you very much, everybody. And I see Joe Gangwish turning some results over the Green Tractor News over there. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network.
Midday Ag Weather is presented by Holdridge Irrigation. And Paul Perkins is in to find out when is it all going to end. <laughs> it looks like by Sunday. Okay. We should see some high pressure clear the skies out, and we'll see a return to some sunny and drier conditions, uh, which probably will be very welcome in many areas. Remember back in the 80s, they came up with this thing called uh, SAD, I think it was. the uh, What was it? Solar? I don't know. Where you didn't get enough sunshine. No. And you got all depressed. And everything. That's me. Yeah. That's well, me. I need my sunshine. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, it just gets a lot of people in the doldrums. I know I don't think I... I could handle living in Seattle <laughs> no. or foggy old England. <laughs> no, sir. But uh, then again, leave it five minutes and it should change. Exactly. And consider yourself lucky that you're not in Wyoming right now in Cheyenne. Sixteen or Ten miles to the north of Cheyenne, 16 inches of snow on the ground. And it's still snowing over southeast Wyoming right now. <laughs> My sister-in-law lives with her family uh, west and north of Laramie. Oh. And they're out on an acreage. There is no getting out. Wow. And that's what... A fellow employee uh, showed some signs of some, some snow towards Fort Collins with this uh, system. Crazy. But we do have rain moving into western Nebraska and southwest Nebraska in the northwest corner of Kansas. So more of it is on the way today. Not as big of a bullseye as far as severe weather as what we had yesterday over south-central Kansas. A slight risk of severe storms over southeast Kansas, basically along and south of the line that stretches from Topeka to Newton to Medicine Lodge. That low-pressure system tracking across Kansas today into northwest Missouri by tomorrow morning. We are seeing that break from the rank, uh, a short break from it. Rain chances increasing this afternoon into tonight with more likely chances of rain on the way as the heart of the system moves across the plains. Cold north winds keeping our temperatures on the chilly side today and temperatures not warming very much at all. Rain once again will be widespread. The lower end amounts around a quarter of an inch, but some areas looking to see close to another inch of rain. But no flash flood watches in effect. We didn't see as much rain as expected last night, so and a lot of it's expected to be at a slower rate, so we won't see the flash flood threat for tonight. Temperatures tonight falling into the 30s in west and west central Nebraska. And don't be surprised if you look out and see a few wet snowflakes that may mix in as far east as Ord to Lexington. They don't have it in the forecast, but they haven't completely ruled it out. And once again, that slight risk of severe storms over southeast Kansas. That rain gradually ends from west to east tomorrow as this area of low pressure exits. High pressure clears the skies tomorrow night into Sunday. A chilly night expected for tomorrow night, but nobody expected to get near the frost level. We will get close, though, probably in some low-lying areas. Then we will see a nice warm-up as we move into Sunday as sunshine gets back into our picture and we get more vitamin D. Some minor systems return, some small chances for thunderstorms Sunday night into Tuesday, but nothing like we're seeing uh, yesterday and with this system for tonight. Temperatures will be slightly cooler Tuesday with a cold front. Otherwise, a ridge of high pressure late next week starts warming those temperatures towards the 70s. But the long-term forecast in Nebraska and Kansas and Pretty much the eastern two-thirds of the country expecting those temperatures to be cooler than normal. We're on the western edge of that cooler than normal uh, pattern, but we'll, so we'll be probably at least slightly cooler than normal Thursday through the 1st of June. Daytime highs in central Nebraska during that time usually average the mid to upper 70s with overnight lows on average in the low 50s. So it doesn't take much just to be below normal if we still are around 70 for daytime highs. Normal to below normal precipitation is generally expected for Nebraska and Kansas Thursday through June 1st. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, 
44 to 47 in the Panhandle from north central to southwest Nebraska into northwest Kansas. So soil temperatures in the low 50s. East and south central Nebraska and north central Kansas with soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s. Some low to mid 60s soil temperatures found over the southeastern two-thirds of Kansas. Weather factors driving the markets today include subpar crop conditions from chilly temperatures and heavy rain in the Midwest and rain-related issues in the southern plains wheat areas. A powerful, slow-moving storm crossing the southern plains should reach the upper Great Lakes by Sunday. In the Midwest, more disruptive conditions for planting and corn growth are expected in the next seven days from heavy rain and much below temp- much below normal temperatures. Less rain expected by the 10-day, but it will remain cold in the Midwest. Colder temperatures and frost in the northern plains, slowing some early growth, but a warming trend is expected next week. In the southern plains, heavy rain will help their soil moisture levels, but may hinder the wheat recovery after last month's snow and cold. Rain and colder temperatures in southern Argentina through the weekend will slow their row crop harvest and winter wheat planting. And rain in Brazil helping out with the filling of corn. Northeast China, they will have much to above normal temperatures through tomorrow. It's going to help with corn and soybean planting, but some sectors quite dry and need some rain soon. The eastern sector has had some rain recently in China and better soil moisture. Paul in the Midday Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Looks like if it gets any colder, stays uh, kind of snowy, they'll be looking at uh, maybe a new crop in western Nebraska, hard red winter beets. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't get too chilly, but yeah, definitely down at some nervous levels right now. All right, very good. Thanks very much, Paul. Appreciate it. And enjoy your weekend, everybody, when you need weather anytime. KRBN.com. Look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Spring storms in western Nebraska are bringing more than the usual spring showers. Jamelo Guzman tells us more. The Panhandle has been hit by a spring storm of cold temperatures and rain with snow in the past couple of days, which is expected to last through today. On Thursday, Scottsbluff had just under an inch of rain and a low of 33 degrees. Alliance, Shatteron, and Kimball were about the same temperature-wise, and Kimball received more than an inch of rain. None of the areas received more than wet snow, which melted almost as soon as it hit the ground. Cody Creech, Nebraska Extension Dryland Cropping Specialist, says it's too early to know if the wheat was damaged by the cold temperatures, but growers shouldn't rush to graze or destroy the wheat. While western Wyoming fared about the same as the Panhandle, further east in Cheyenne and Burns, Wyoming, snow was about 5 to 11 inches. Temperatures should warm up tomorrow in the area, but a chance of rain will stay in the forecast through Tuesday. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Final preparations are being made for the 2017 Cattlemen's Ball set for the first weekend in June. Shaylee Peters has more. Jeff and Lisa Johnson of Lonesome River Ranch in Custer County are hosts of this year's ball. And as last-minute details are hammered out, Lisa says the decision to host was a personal one. Fred, Jeff's dad, had always wanted to have one, and he kept telling Jeff, I want to have one, want to have one, and we kept saying, no, no. As a lot of people, cancer did affect Fred, and Fred did pass away from cancer. So when we were approached in June 2015, we took a little while and 
then we decided, yes, we would have it in memory of Jeff's dad. Johnson talks about this year's theme. Our theme this year is for a cure, the number four, meaning four county, which is Custer County. And we believe that we have a really great county behind us in the support. So to put this ball on, it takes a village. So we needed we need everybody in the county to come out and help. And so we just decided to call it for a cure. Tickets are still available. And for more information on this year's ball and to purchase you can visit cattlemansball.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. A coalition of soil health advocates announced an action plan to not only improve soil quality, but add upon the many benefits of healthy soils. The NRCS Acting Chief Leonard Jordan talks about the NRCS program's focus on partnerships to address soil health conservation, such as the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. We have a lot of programs which we can integrate into the producer's operations from which they make informed decisions trying to improve the health of their soil. One of the programs that I think has really served a key and pivotal role is the Resource Conservation Partnership Program. Over the last few years, we've invested some $24 million in roughly around 23 different proposals that was solely focused on soil health. And we think that that has been quite beneficial. But the more important part is that over that time frame, we've worked with some 200 partners that all had a keen interest in advancing the efforts of improving soil health. And those 200 partners have leveraged some 33 million additional dollars with that focus on the improvement of soil health. The soil health program has been called a win-win for farmers, ranchers, and the environment. And dairy groups have repeatedly urged the administration officials and legislators to focus on maintaining what has worked well with NAFTA, such as trade with Mexico. And the dairy groups also continue to call for improving market access to Canada and tackling the country's expanding list of policies and other barriers to U.S. dairy exports. That's local agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska agricultural climatologist Al Dutcher and Al. An interesting week for sure for these farmers as a lot of them look to finish up planting and may have ahead of these rains nice weather at the beginning of the week, but really cold weather and rain setting in here the latter part of the week. Can this continue or what are we looking at here? Well, certainly that's the big issue. Um, you know, looking at the models, there's been various solutions in dealing with these upper air lows ejecting out of the southwestern United States, central Rockies, and moving toward the northeast. That first wave, of course, moved through in the early part of uh, Tuesday, started to move out of the plains, and we've seen some pretty decent precipitation move into Nebraska in the Tuesday-Wednesday time frame. A little bit of a break uh, yesterday, at least for most of the areas east of the Panhandle. The Panhandle itself was seeing rain and a mixture of rain and snow, particularly in, as we got up to the Rocky Mountains. This is the second upper air low, the stronger one, has been sitting and slowly moving toward the east, and that's been responsible for the most recent rounds of precipitation and will continue to be the trend as we move through the next 36 to 48 hours as that system moves its way toward the western Great Lakes. As it does that, we'll see precipitation move from the uh, southern plains, which is already starting to organize as we speak. That will start to move its way up into eastern Kansas. That's where the heaviest precipitation over the next 24 hours is expected. So if that lifts just a little bit farther toward north, 
north. We may see two-plus-inch totals make it up into extreme southeastern Nebraska, but for the remainder of us, it looks like generally anywhere from a half to an inch with isolated one-and-a-half-inch amounts. As we don't expect to see any severe weather, that will remain to the south, so it will be moving into that cooler air, losing its punch, but we'll get more widespread uniform precipitation. As we get in tomorrow, the upper air low is expected to move into northeastern Nebraska, northwestern Iowa, and then proceed off to where the Great Lakes during the day. That will start to bring the precipitation to an end. So as we get into the afternoon hours, I think we'll be just dealing with scattered light precipitation across eastern Nebraska with the best bet to be across northeastern Nebraska. And then we see the drying trend as we get into Sunday, a little bit cool conditions, unfortunately, being a northwest flow as this system starts to strengthen over the Great Lakes, drops the cooler air into the upper Midwest, and some of that will probably impact portions of northeast Nebraska. But more importantly, a couple of waves are projected to come down in the northwest flow. And uncertainty in terms of Sunday night across the panhandle for precipitation, but a little bit more certainty as we get into Monday and Tuesday as a couple of small waves moving that northwest flow, possibly generating some lighter precipitation. It'll be moisture-starved. We won't have our moisture flow coming from the Gulf, but certainly there was enough moisture at the surface in place to generate instability showers and maybe even isolated thunderstorm. QPF, or quantitative precipitation, for this event generally showing anywhere from a tenth of an inch to a quarter of an inch with the heaviest uh, precipitation indicated for southeast Nebraska, possibly up to a half an inch. And then we start to see that system over the Great Lakes kind of park itself. We're going to see a lot of rainfall in areas that have already gone through replant in the eastern Corn Belt and the southern Corn Belt along with much cooler conditions. So this almost looks like a repeat of a couple of weeks ago. I kind of feel sorry for them. They just got conditions dried out enough to replant. Here we go again with two to five inches of precipitation expected across portions that have been inundated with heavy precipitation. But more importantly for us, if the models are correct, we're going to get a window of drying, particularly as we go from Wednesday through about Saturday, and then our attention turns to yet. Time to check Midday Sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Omaha Burke Stadium is the site once again of the NSAA State High School Track and Field Championships. Rain has been falling off and on in the Omaha area, making for uh, tough conditions. Now, competition in Classes A and D is underway. Earlier today in Class C in the girls' 3,200-meter relay, Chase County set a new meet and Class C state record with a time of 9 minutes, 33.52 seconds. And the Class C boys' 100-meter dash prelims, Dylan Couts of Norfolk Catholic set a new meet record in the prelims with a time of 10.79 seconds. And Miles Griffith of St. Paul just tied the meet record in the high jump, clearing 6-9. The Classes B and D will start competition this afternoon at 3.30. The NSAA Girls State Tennis Tournament is wrapping up today in Omaha and Lincoln in Class A. Elkhorn South and Lincoln East were tied for the lead going into the final day with 32 points. In Class B, Grand Island Central Catholic and McCook were tied for the lead with 32 points. Game 1 of Nebraska's big series at Penn State got off to a bad start as the Huskers coughed up a two-run lead in the bottom of the ninth as they fell to Penn State 8-7. to NU had been 31-0 on the year when leading after eight innings. They led 7-5 going into the bottom of the ninth before committing two big errors as they allowed the Nittany Lions to score three runs. It was just the fourth conference victory of the season for Penn State. The two teams meet again this afternoon at 5.30 Central Time. Cleveland Cavaliers look for their 13th straight playoff win when they take on the Celtics tonight in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals in Boston. Despite Cleveland's dominating performance in Wednesday's opener, LeBron James said he wasn't even at his best. 
Alas, tonight would also leave Boston with the daunting proposition of having to win four out of five games to take the series, starting with games three and four in Cleveland. And the Pittsburgh Penguins enter tonight's game in Ottawa down two games to one in their Eastern Conference Final. The Senators routed the defending Stanley Cup champions 5-1 to one on Wednesday. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Showers likely continuing in Nebraska tonight with a chance of rain mixing with snow after midnight in the Panhandle. I'm Dave Schroeder. Despite efforts to override Governor Pete Ricketts' veto about health care, the legislature came up just a handful of votes short. Senator Matt Williams says it's now up to Governor Ricketts. And so now what was the legislature's budget, I think, becomes more of the governor's budget. And I look forward to uh, uh, his explanation of how these, uh, these important assets like our hospitals and our nursing homes are going to handle the patients that they have and allow access to quality health care in our state. The legislature ends this year's long session on Monday. The Nebraska Supreme Court has upheld a ruling that Peru State College was not liable for the 2010 disappearance of one of its students. The court issued its ruling today in the lawsuit by the parents of Tyler Thomas against the Nebraska State College System's governing board. The lawsuit contends the college failed to protect Thomas from harm. The 19-year-old disappeared after encountering Joshua Keedle, a fellow Peru State student now serving prison time for raping another teenage girl. Thomas was a freshman at the Southeast Nebraska College when she disappeared after leaving a party. Authorities say Keedle told them he and Thomas had sex in his vehicle that night. Keedle has not been charged in her disappearance, but a jury found him liable in a lawsuit. Almost 40 million Americans are expected to travel 50 miles or more away from home over the Memorial Day holiday, according to AAA Auto Club. AAA spokeswoman Jeanette Casolano says more drivers will take to the road this holiday weekend than last year as gas prices remain relatively low. The dip in prices, we believe, are encouraging people to travel more um, by car, especially this Memorial Day weekend. And we also think it's an indicator that we'll see higher automobile travel um, around throughout the summer, as well as July 4th and Labor Day, too. Little damage has been reported after a storm churned up several weak, short-lived tornadoes in central Kansas. The storm began producing tornadoes late yesterday afternoon, including in Barton County. No significant damage reported, though there was some damage to fencing and roofing at the Salina Speedway, but meteorologists haven't yet determined whether a tornado or strong winds were responsible in that instance. Get the latest forecasts and live severe weather reporting around the clock on KRVN and KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The Cattleman's Ball is just around the corner here as we finish up May and head into June. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And today I've got on the line here one of the people hosting the ball. It is Lisa Johnson and her and her husband Jeff of the Lonesome River Ranch near uh, Anselmo, Nebraska in Custer County. And Lisa, so glad to have you on today ahead of this year's Cattleman's Ball. Why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about your ranch. Tell us your story and kind of let us know why it's being hosted there this year. 
Um, we were part of a family ranch, and so when we decided to split, we bought Jeff's dad's ranch, which was the Loop River Ranch, and we called it the Lonesome River Ranch. Um, it's up on the Middle Loop River. We purchased it in 2000, basically January 2012, and started all over again. But in 96, um, Bill Zudervin had a ball, and Fred, Jeff's dad, had always wanted to have one, and he kept telling Jeff, I want to have one, want to have one, and we kept saying, no, no. As a lot of people, cancer did affect Fred, and Fred did pass away from cancer. So when we were approached, I think it was in 2015 in June, we took a little while, and then we decided, yes, we would have it for Jeff's, in memory of Jeff's dad. So there is some sentimental uh, reasons here. This year will probably prove to be very special for you guys. Touch on some of the preparations you've been putting together as uh, the ball approaches this year. Oh, wow. That's a long list. Um, when we were asked, <laughs> yeah, when we were asked to have the ball, we needed to get committee members, so we went ahead and called some of our friends, Cindy and Jim Duncan, Deb and Don Cantrell, and Karen and Jeff Evans. We served with the One Box board. So um, we asked them to help us, and they decided they would. And so we started having meetings in March of 2016. We went to the 16 ball, and then after the 16 ball, we hit it pretty hard. So we've been doing all kinds of things, organizing golf tournaments and silent auctions and beer and wine tasting and Cindy's getting a general store together and a ranch rodeo and entertainment. So it's just a every month, every day ordeal. So a lot that goes into this, of course, every year. Touch on this year's theme, the 2017 theme, the number four, a cure, is kind of special. And so go into what the theme is and then also some of the details of, you know, when exactly it is and I guess where they can purchase those tickets at. Okay. Our theme this year is for a cure, the number four, meaning four county, which is Custer County. And we believe that we have a really great county behind us in the support so um, to put this ball on, it takes a village. So we needed we need everybody in the county to come out and help, and so we just decided to call it for a cure as a theme. Um, you can come and come for the day. There's tickets still on sale. You go to cattlemansball.com, or you can go in town at Russell Abstract and Title and talk to Sadie Taylor, and she'll be happy to get you tickets. There's a Friday and Saturday. Um, Friday and Saturday, if you want the Trail Boss tickets. Um, if you just want to come Saturday afternoon, that's the Top Hand tickets. For the Top Hand tickets, you're going to come basically noon to midnight. Um, in that, there's like I said, there's going to be auctions. You get it. Eric Pasley and Rodney Atkins, you get a prime rib dinner, there's a ranch rodeo, beer and wine tasting, the art and style show. There's a lot of things going on. We have a lot of people that have donated great items. John Deere did a gator, Polaris did a side-by-side, Kawasaki at Jet Ski, Vermeer did a mower. So um, 
lots of things to keep you busy for the day. A lot going on then with this year's Cattleman's Ball. Anything additionally while I've got you on the line here today, Lisa? Um, all the monies, 90% goes to cancer research, which goes to the new Pamela, Fred and Pamela Buffett Center in Omaha, Nebraska. 10% will stay locally in our communities. And um, all the money is given away, so there isn't anything that is kept. The Cattleman's Ball keeps very little money to support. They keep just enough out to pay their license and fees. Okay, thanks so much, Lisa Johnson. She, Her and her husband, Jeff, are of the Lonesome River Ranch in Custer County. They'll be hosting this year's Cattleman's Ball happening the 2nd and 3rd of June. Coming up here, tickets still available. For more information, you can visit ruralradio.com or cattlemansball.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Closing livestock comments here on the Rural Radio Network. Joe Gangwish back with you, joined by Joe Teal from Great Plains Commodities. Joe, we had another uptrend in the live cattle and feeders today. Can we build some support? Do you think at these levels? Oh uh, yeah, I think I think we were coming off a of support. If you know, uh, we we the last break was right back down to where we had started uh, the last one, and and uh, we held and and turned right around. So. You know, I'm kind of wondering if we're building a base, and we have a ceiling to to uh, combat with uh, here once again. So, you know, there was not a whole lot of news today, uh, and uh, you know, we're discount with the live cattle, and what cattle have traded this week has been lower than the previous week, but it's still we're still discounted with the futures. So there was good reason to. Uh, uh, see uh, a little strength in the market, and uh, what's surprising is the uh, was the the good uh, volume and in uh, the upward move in the uh, feeders, despite the fact that grains were back higher again today. So, uh, all in all, a pretty good uh, a pretty good day for the cattle, also for the hogs. Uh, when you look at uh, what happened. Uh, with them, uh, we started out, we were lower, cash was kind of waffling, and then it seemed to pick up. Now, the interesting thing is we are going to close lower for the uh, week in the cattle and the feeders, but we are going to close higher in the for the week in the hogs. So, all in all, not a bad day, a pretty good week for, uh, for the hogs. Joe Teal from Great Plains Commodities, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Drive around the countryside and you'll see a lot of standing water in fields. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. For many producers, the concern turns to a repeat of last year where we had a lot of weed issues because of how wet it was during the month of May. Bob Kavinsky is an agronomist with Syngenta. Well, one of the challenges with uh, heavy rains is one is timeliness, trying to get your field sprayed. Uh, if they got planted and didn't get sprayed right away, uh, sometimes the weeds can start to come up and you need to have a little bit more burn down. Of course, many of our pre-emerge herbicides do offer uh, burn down, on, on, uh, especially on the broadleaf side of the spectrum. Uh, they can always add some glyphosate if the grasses start to emerge, but uh, it's so much about how you how you manage the residual of the chemistry because uh, as as you get more and more moisture, you remember last year with the 
June being, or excuse me, May being 10, 12 inches of moisture, many of the herbicides started to get uh, rinsed down or diluted out in the soil. And, and really it's about managing that with the right chemistries. It, you can offset to some extent those heavier rains and help to uh, eliminate some of the problems by choosing the right pre-emerge herbicides. And it also emphasizes the need for a two-pass system. Um, in Nebraska, we're not gifted with weather that allows us to really apply with one pass. A lot of times, we really need to have two passes, a good foundation chemistry followed up by a um, multiple uh, active ingredient compounds uh, post-emerge. So it's really, a, in our marketplace here in Nebraska, it's really a, it's about using a two-pass system in order to somewhat weatherproof those herbicide pr- uh, programs. Is there, I mean, with the amount of rain that we've received and the, and the heavy rainfall, is there concerns? Should we be worried about not getting the weed control that we planned because Mother Nature has just added extra moisture to those fields? Well, uh, high moisture can really be a benefit for herbicides because all herbicides in the soil must be taken up by soil moisture. So for weed control, it typically means a positive aspect. It, it means that you get good activation of your herbicide. If you have a chemistry that tends to be fairly sensitive to the crop, it can be a downside because it means that more chemical, chemical can get taken up by the crop more than what it can metabolize and you get some crop injury. So again, the selection of the right chemistry can really make a difference Um, and from a performance standpoint uh, typically in a wet year we have really good early performance but last year may look great everybody was happy with the weed control but then in june after the rains finally stopped uh, coming we started getting a lot of weeds coming up from a shallow germinating you know grasses such as uh, the fall panicums and the barnyard grasses and on the broadleaf side the water hemp and palmer of course are typically coming in june and they tend to be more shallow uh, germinating so if, if if you have the wrong chemistry out there you can start to rinse that uh, chemistry out of that top inch or so and that can become a problem for you in, in june and last year that was a typical issue so uh we we tended to see very uh a, a lot of farmers having to go with uh, post-emerge products that were more aggressive what are some of the weeds bob that we're going to need to really keep an eye out for two, three weeks down the road when things dry out a little bit? Well, the most common weeds in June that we typically run into, and, you know, the, the hot topic right now, of course, is how do I control my water at Palmer? Those are probably the two most critical weeds. Uh, in corn, we can manage those very well with uh, our, our chemistries, our HPPD chemistries, of course. Those comments coming from Syngenta agronomist Bob Kavinsky. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Good Friday afternoon. Let's get our closing grain market analysis with John Payne. He is the Senior Market Advisor for Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So, John, let's start with the wheat today, kind of the bright spot. And we had uh, some good support in Chicago, Kansas City, also in the Minneapolis. Yeah, wheat is the story here, I think. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. If you want to see a corn rally, we need to see the wheat market start to move. And uh, I think it handled a pretty good punch this week, given that we went down to 420. Saw some new crop sales down in the uh, the Texas mar- market start to, you know, bring the market lower. But we got good that that good uh, Egyptian tender early in the week, and then now it's a weather market. Uh, you know, the, the temperatures you guys are seeing are certainly being seen down in the Kansas regions, and overnight winds flattened a lot of what we're we're seeing in the eastern central portions of Kansas. Uh, it's just been too wet down there, and I think you're going to have disease pressure starting to mount. 
and the scrap progress numbers should start to show that. And uh, again, we got to get to about 440. But if we do, decisions start need to be made. I'd say 460 to 480 uh, in that area. I think that's the kind of box I would look for if you've got bushels to sell. Um, otherwise, you know, if you really want to gamble, go out and hold for that five dollars. I think we could see that, but that's a solid sales point. It's not a place you want to be getting long because the news flow will be will be bullish at that point, and that's usually when the market turns. All right, nice rally in weed today, up a uh, twelve on that July Kansas City soybeans. Uh, we had a nice bounce recovery off of what we had yesterday. Yeah, beans. All right, so beans. You know. They're going to get an acreage bump here, in my, in my opinion. So I think all this weather is probably more negative beans than, than positive at this point. Now you start, you know, talking cold and wet through June, then you know we got another story. But it doesn't appear like that's going to be the case. Uh, so beans, they're they're at the whim of this political risk down in Brazil. The dollar reversed today against the real, and uh, I think that's probably uh, uh, what what caused the push here. I do think you're going to start to see U.S. farmers move product on the new crop side on these rallies. So. 980 is a stretch, in my opinion, at this point. Certainly could see it uh, on a weather problem. But for me, I, I, I'm more nervous here. We're going to get this political risk turned back on next week, and, and we'll be right back down to that 940 level where we really need that to hold on the soy. Looking at corn, I'm glad you mentioned the dollar, lower dollar, helping out wheat and beans, as you mentioned. Yep. Last 20 seconds here, John. Touch on the corn. We're still in a trading range, but a nice day nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. So we're right back up low 370s. Again, you know, if we go to not, go to the 380s, that's that's where you, you really got to start to think about selling old crop. I, I know it doesn't feel like it's high enough, but we've only been above that level, oh, I think twice since in the last six, seven months. Now, we did start to see the basis move out. I heard Adams County uh, maybe, maybe trading at the highest cash level since uh, last year, which, in my opinion, could be a little bit of a bullish factor going forward. But I still think corn's probably sideways a little bit higher than this. This is the Rural Radio Network.